hands rolling this morning as we're talking about memory and remembrance. Um, with a show of hands, wherever you are, um, how many of you think you've got a pretty good memory? How many of you feel like you've got a, got a pretty good memory? A couple of you, some of you, maybe? Um, and I know memory is one of those things, like there are lots of different kinds of remembrance, and we might have some that are a little stronger than others. Um, how many of you have things that you can remember, like from your childhood or from growing up, that seem pretty vivid to you? Like you, you can hold on to those and recall those pretty easily. Yeah, kind of, sort of, somewhat. I know I've got some people that have like really detailed memories of when they were like a like two or three, and I'm like, I don't think that's real. I don't know how you remember that far back. But some people have that. Um, how many of you have that better, you know, little short-term memory? Like, let's say, how many of you remember what you had for, you know, lunch on Friday, maybe? Anybody? If you think about it a little bit, if it was a really good meal, hopefully you remember it. Um, yeah, memory is a, it's a funny thing. It's a weird thing. I know I don't have the best memory overall. Like, I'm really good academically. Like, I can remember lots of facts and things that I hear. It helped me a lot in helped me a lot in college to be able to, you know, I didn't have to study all that much because I could remember all the stuff I heard. But in other areas of life or recalling things that I needed to do or take care of or really any other kind of memory, um, I was lacking. And I need systems in place in my life um, to help me remember to do things, to help me to follow up on stuff. And even then, you know, the chances of me getting that done are, they're, they're better. Maybe not always as what they should be, but they definitely are better when I have things to help me remember. There are lots of different kinds of memory and remembrance. And one thing that I do remember is that last week we were wrapping up our series called Allegiance. We were talking about um, Jesus as the reigning king in our life and that we have a, um, a kingdom agenda that we're following. We're in submission to God above all things. And I remember that Pastor Brandon said something last week that grabbed my attention. He said that knowing the end can give us hope in the middle of the story. And we were talking about that, knowing that in the end that Jesus is king and that he reigns and that all of this is going to be under his rule and his lordship and there's no more fear or tears or hurt or pain. Knowing that there is an end coming helps us now when we're in the middle of, you know, life and mess and things that are going on. It helps us to hold on to that tangible hope. And I think that that's real, and I think that that's incredibly true. And yet I hold intention that even though we have this hope that we can look forward to, um, the middle of the story can still be pretty messy, can it? The life that we're faced with right now can still hold a lot of trials and tribulations and things that we are going through that maybe make it a little harder to cling to that hope that we see out before us in the future. And honestly, I think that 2020 as a whole is a pretty good example of this. Like this, is, this has been a, a year, to say the least, honestly. There's a lot of things that are going on around us and a lot of things that we can, we're being faced with day after day, all of these hardships and the new things that are happening. And it's hard to remember that like, there are still good things that are happening this year, too. Like, there's lots of good stuff that's going on around us, but we, we might not always see it just given everything that we're facing day after day. Um, there's still a lot of good happening, though, right? Like, I've seen there's a lot more focus on families during this time, on your family unit, on those that you love. I've seen companies that have been really committed to helping their employees survive and thrive during this time, even at cost to themselves, sometimes as businesses. 
There are people who still, you know, are getting married and they're having kids and they're falling in love. There's a movement back to focusing on our local communities and taking care of those around us. There's a higher engagement in talks about morality and rights and civil action and responsibility. When we started school virtually back in March, I saw a few different companies that actually ended up making internet available for kids and students who might otherwise not have had access to that and therefore would have really fallen behind and struggled as they tried to keep up with this new virtual school. But they were selfless and they did some really cool things to help these neighborhoods out. It's just hard for us to, like, remember and recall those good things when we're stuck, again, in the middle of our mess. It's hard to remember that really nice time you had with your kids last week when this week they are really struggling and you are struggling and butting heads. It's hard to remember why it is that you love your job when you've got yet another deadline due and you're trying to figure out how to work from home and you're trying to have all this responsibility for students, like, it's hard for you guys to find the fun in school and the joy of what a school year could bring when everything's all shifted around and changed and things are not as you had hoped that they would be. But there's still good things happening. There's still good that's going on in and around and through us. Even when I think about my own life, like, this has been a crazy, weird year, but there's still good happening. I think to the student ministry that I get to help see students come to know Jesus and it's become a highlight of my week, honestly, on Wednesdays to be able to be with them and to see them grow and to help them learn and engage with God together. Like this year, like my wife and I bought a house this year. Like that's a pretty big deal and most years that's a really big deal but it's one of those things that, you know, it feels like it can get lost when we're faced with all of the mess. And I'm sure right now, if you sat there and thought about it, we could all come up with at least one thing that's been good about 2020 that's happened in your own life. But again, it might be a little bit harder for some of us than others. It might be a hard thing to even just try to switch gears to focus on the good. And I think that we can all agree it's really easy to get caught up in bad circumstances, when we're experiencing around us right now with our senses, all of those things make it hard to remember or to recall things that aren't always on the forefront of our mind. And even more so, as we're trying to pursue Jesus and to become more like him, it can be pretty easily forgotten who God is and what it is that he does for us. We can be so weighed down by the world um, and we lose sight of all the good that's happening in and around us and through us. And so this series, as we wrap up November here, we're going to be taking time to recenter our hearts on a God who just gives us so many reasons to be thankful. So why don't you guys bow your heads with me? We're going to pray for a moment, and then we'll get into what we have for today. God, we thank you. We do thank you that you're a God who is present to us. I pray that as we Go into your word this morning and unpack this idea of thankfulness over this series, God, that you would remind us of all of the places you've been, all the ways you've been faithful to us, that you've been good to us. Remind us of your goodness and faithfulness and love and help us to remember that you've been there for us and that you will be for, there for us now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So this morning and this series we're heading into is a series simply called Psalms of Thanks. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be heading into the book of Psalms, looking at different ones that deal with this idea of thankfulness. 
And today, specifically, we're going to be looking at Psalm 136. You can start to get there and flip there. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. We'll be at Psalm 136. We're also just going to talk about the Psalms in general for a little bit, too. So these Psalms um, were written mostly by David, King David, with some other people that also contributed, but David is a main author and one you often think of when you think of the Psalms. And the Psalms are like these, this collection of songs and poems and things that deal with as many topics as you could really think of. There's Psalms about hope. There's psalms about the the joy that is found in the Lord. There's psalms that deal with loss and with pain and with sorrow and victory. There are psalms that speak to God's goodness. There are psalms where they that just are lamenting the things that have been lost. And there are psalms that ask hard questions. There's psalms and songs in there about doubt and fear and deep questions. And of course, as we're going to be talking about, there are psalms of thanks that deal with this idea of thankfulness. And as we look through these, just personally, I really feel like the Psalms can give us a good look at what it means to be able to have like that authentic relationship, that authentic dialogue with God. As I read through the Psalms and as I was looking for this series, David and others do not shy away when it comes to how they are feeling about what's going on in life. Because as they, as David and as Israel was around, they were going through a lot of stuff, and David makes that very, very clear in his writings. There are lots of questions, there are doubts, there are fears that are expressed. But at the same time, they are always rooted, these psalms, these songs are always rooted in, and they come back to this idea of the overall goodness and faithfulness of God's attitude and his agency. They always come back to who God is and what he does. And so today as we begin and as I was thinking about like where is a good place to begin with these psalms of thanks, this idea of thankfulness, um, we're actually going to focus for a little bit on a phrase that you see over and over and over again in the psalms and in this one particularly and then just in other ones that kept popping up this phrase or variations of it. And it's actually the first verse of the psalm but you're going to hear this over and over. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And sprinkled throughout the Psalms, you will find this phrase. It's like a drum in the Psalms. It's beat over and over again, anchoring God's attributes and his actions in this truth, that God is good and that his steadfast love endures forever. So before we get into this psalm today, I want to unpack that phrase a little bit. Like, we're called to give thanks to the Lord, but why? Let's take a look a little deeper here. So this phrase, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So the first part of this is that we give thanks to the Lord because he is good. And that equally seems like pretty self-explanatory, but this concept of goodness is often one that we really just can't quite put into words. You know something is good. You can kind of feel it, um, but it's a hard thing to describe. I think it's because we see that nobody is actually good but God. God not only is good as though good is like an attribute that God can be, but God actually is goodness. He, he gives goodness its actual definition. Because of God, goodness exists. God is good. 
You see this in Luke chapter 18. Um, somebody approaches Jesus and they're, they're trying to weasel in and trick him how they do, but they come in and they say, oh, good teacher. And they, Jesus stops them right away and he says, why do you call me good? Nobody is good except God alone, not the teachers that we have. None of us, we don't have goodness except for God in us. God is good. Again, we see it in Psalm 145 a little bit later on in the Psalms here, that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in this steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Over and over again in Scripture, this, this goodness of God is upheld and just fortified for us. We give thanks to the Lord first and foremost because he is good. And from his goodness flows his mercy and his grace and his generosity and peace and joy and all those things that we love about God. And they come because he is good. And so we thank him for that. We thank the Lord because he is good. The second half of this phrase also says, so we give thanks to the Lord because he is good. And then it says, because his love endures. It says his love endures forever. So when you endure, if you think about the concept of endurance, endurance gives the impression that there is something opposing you that could cause you to fail, but you don't. You endure. You are able to make it through. Um, just looking up the dictionary definition, just because sometimes that's helpful, this one proved to be. And to endure means to make it through an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. God's love endures. It endures through the life that we're living. It endures not just through, you know, one hardship. God's love for us endures not just through, you know, 50 mistakes that we make. God's love endures not through 100 sins that we commit. God's love endures forever. Every battle, every setback that we face, every financial problem, every mistake and time that we fall and time that we turn away, God's love perseveres and it sticks with us through it all. And I like that it says this, his steadfast love endures forever. God's love isn't variable. It isn't a love that's greater one day and then lower the next because you messed up, but it is always the same. It is constant. And that sameness is at a level that we're never going to comprehend. So this unimaginable, steady love of God endures forever. There's never a moment where it falters or fades. There's never a moment where it's going to give out or run out on us. God's love endures forever. We give thanks to the Lord because he, the embodiment of all that is good, he is good. And because his steadfast, steady, ridiculous love endures and perseveres with us forever. And that's pretty dang awesome, isn't it? That is, that's good news. That's really great, and we can feel overjoyed. And as we're sitting here, you know, we can have some of those nice, warm, fuzzy feelings and go, you know, woo, God's good. His mercy's great. His love outlasts everything. Yay, this is awesome. And it's easy to do that when we are in the comforts of the sanctuary, and we're here on a Sunday morning, and the week is yet before us, and things still seem pretty good. But again, as the week goes on and as the days go on and we start to face again some of those trials and some of the hardships, those things that we can rejoice about today might seem pretty distant and far away as we're dealing with what's in front of us and the life that's coming before us. It's really hard for us to think about eternal things um, when the temporary gets rough. 
It's hard to think eternally when the temporary, what's right here, gets a little rough. And again, that's, it's what's here and what's now for some reason as humans. Like we just have, we have a struggle with not being able to see very far in front of what's going on in front of me right now. It's hard to remember God's eternal goodness, his love that lasts forever, all of these grand, amazing things when I'm just dealing with some problems trying to make it through today. It's hard. It really is. But thankfully, um, in Scripture, we get to see examples of people who are going through the same things that we're going through, and we get to see how it is that they relate to God, and it can help us to find new ways to be able to relate to Him and to remember and to be able to give thanks. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, Israel, as we read through the Old Testament, there's this nation of Israel um, that God was with and He was leading them, and they can often serve as a mirror of what we are like with God ourselves. Israel faced a lot of hardships. They just went through lots of different wars in their lands and internal fighting and external fighting and all these different things. Israel also, because they were under God, they were allowing God to lead their nation, they also were not very good at things like following commands that God gave them or obeying God, blessing others like he asked them to. But it's a lot like ourselves. They got caught up in their own mess a lot, and then they had to pay the price, and they were going through all of these trials and all of these consequences. They had a lot of stuff right in front of their face. But it's often how we feel all the time. We have lots of things right in front of us as well. The thing that Israel was really good at, and it gets highlighted over and over again throughout the Old Testament, and we see it especially in the Psalms, they were very good at consistently reminding themselves of God's goodness and faithfulness. And they did this by framing these places where they saw God at work. They put them into memories that they passed down. They sang songs about them. They wrote poems about them. They memorialized these things so they could point to something and say, see, this is where God was. We don't want to forget that because it'll strengthen us as we move forward with whatever this new hardship is that we're facing. You know, sometimes it reads a little bit funny, right? Like they're putting a history book into a song, and you read through some of the psalms, and you're like, this does, the words don't even rhyme. Like, this isn't a song. This is weird. But for them, this is what worked. They were able to recall and remember who God was to them and what it was that he did for them, and it allowed them to be able to persevere and to move forward as they faced new trials and new hardships. They continually were deepening their relationship with God as they thanked him for who he was and what he did. Israel had tangible reminders of who God was and what he had done in their lives that they could recall at any time. They did it to praise him, to remember him, to hold on to him when life was hard. They had a living practice of thankfulness. It wasn't just something they did at one time or once a year. Or they rolled it all out for this big ceremony and then didn't remember God at all. But they had this living, always ongoing practice of thankfulness with God. And I think that that's a really interesting thing because it's important to note that like God doesn't ask us to just walk with him based on nothing at all. I mean, he could, he's God, but he, he doesn't. There's no just trusting God simply because he says so or because he forces us to. There's no fear, there's no coercion, there's no guilt or shame involved for us to follow him. 
God actually gives us a lot of good reasons to follow and to love and trust Him. And He wants to. He desires to be a part of our lives. He's willing to step down into what we've got going on down here to be with us and to walk with us in relationship with us. And we see these reasons over and over again in display in who He is and what He does. And that's Israel recognized this and they knew that they needed to be able to keep these things somehow that they could always bring them back to be thanking God for who he is and for what he does. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read through this Psalm 136. So this is the psalmist writing about some different reasons that Israel, at least at this psalm, they were reminding themselves of who God was and what he had done for them. So we're going to read through this like section by section, and then I'll summarize what it is that Israel is reminding themselves of in the psalm. And so you can just kind of see how this looks when it's on display for them in their real life. So if you're not there yet, could you turn with me to Psalm 136? We're just going to start right again in verse 1. Psalm 136 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever forever. So at some points I'll be reading and just kind of reading the highlights of what they're talking about here. Each one is echoed by this refrain that his steadfast love endures forever, and these are the reasons why. Through verses 4 and 9, we see that Israel is highlighting that they know that God is a creative and an intentional God. He formed the very world that they live in. He formed the waters that they're upon, the lights in the sky, the sun and the moon. They're pointing to God's creativity and intentionality. They see it displayed for them in nature, and they want to remember it. And so here it is in a psalm. Let's continue. Verse 10. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host into the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is what I was talking about a little bit ago where they start to take what sounds like some history textbook entries and put it into this poetry form or this song. But you see, here they're recounting when it was that God brought Israel out of slavery from Egypt through the Red Sea and brought them into freedom. This is a big moment in their culture's history where they saw that God was faithful to them. He's faithful to them in times of trouble. And they have examples of it, and they bring them up now to know that, hey, God was with us then, and he brought us through. Let's continue here. Verse 17. 
To him, it's still talking about God, to him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever and killed mighty kings, Sahan, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, these are events that are specific to Israel, these battles that they've been in with the Amorites and the the king of Bashan. They've seen that God is victorious in times of crisis. Israel as a nation just faced a lot of those different kinds of battles and wars, either because of things they weren't doing or just because of the nature of where they were. they, They had to fight, and they've seen often that God was with them and helped them to victory in these times. And so they remember them, and they recall them back, and they thank God for those places where he was victorious. And as we wrap up here in verses 23 through 26, it says this, It is he who remembered us in our lowest state, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives all food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. You see here at the end, they just wrap it up with a summary here. The psalmist says that God is faithful, he is victorious, he cares for us, and we've seen it, and we want to remember it so that we do not forget who God is and what it is that we've done. So through the Psalms, through this Psalm, they thank the Lord because he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. They see his goodness in creation. They see his love on display as he cares for them, as he literally feeds them, protects them from their enemies. They see it in the victories that they've won, in the protection they've had in times of trouble. They know that God is good and loving and faithful, They can point to instances, to tangible, real reminders where they've seen it to help themselves remember and thank him for that goodness. And that's Psalm 136, and it's interesting to me. So I was reading through this, and I decided to read the next couple of them just to see again where, how does this continue to play out. The psalm that immediately follows, Psalm 137, is a psalm that deals a lot with questions and confusions and doubts Um, As the psalmist talks with God while Israel has been exiled and brought away by Babylon. So they are not in the middle of a very good situation here. You have this big psalm that is thanking God, remembering all of who he is and what he's done. And then immediately after that, you have this psalm that's questioning a lot of what's going on, though, because the middle of this mess is still very messy. What's going on here, God? And then the next psalm after that, Psalm 138, returns to this idea of recalling and remembering who God is and what he's done as they continue to thank him again. And that's real life, honestly. God is good in the good times and in the bad times. His love endures with us through victories in our lives and through hardship. We can thank God and have this practice of thankfulness and remembering who God is and what he's done. And we can still also have real dialogue with him when we don't understand the things that are going on in our life, when we aren't really sure what's happening. But what is important is that we have this real practice of thankfulness in our relationship with God. So again, we can always be recalling and remembering and moving deeper into relationship with the God who is very much there for us, 
who is good to us and whose love endures forever. And so it's important to remember that even though we're here and it is November and Thanksgiving is here, um, that we can't just limit this idea, this practice of thankfulness to just one day or one month or even one sermon series a year if we hope to have a deeper relationship with God. But hopefully as we continue to talk about these things this month, it will spur you on to begin and to cultivate and to continue a practice of thankfulness yourselves, even outside of this series or this place or this month. Being thankful helps us to remember who God is to us. It helps us to remember what God has done. It reminds us of what he's capable of. And it can give us the courage and the strength and the boldness to be able to head into the future. It helps to produce the mentality in us that I know that God has been there for me before so I can know that he is here for me now and that he'll be with me in the future. We give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Right now I want you to try something with me. I'd love for you all, wherever you are, to close your eyes for a moment. Just take a nice breath Let go of all the other things that might be going on. Just have some questions for you. Where have you seen God's goodness and faithfulness in your life today? Where have you seen God at work in your life even just today? Think about that for a moment. Push a little bit with me here. How about in this past week? Where has God been at work in your life just in this past week? What can you thank him for from the past few days? Push back for a moment, even with all the mess going on. Where have you seen God's goodness in the last month? In this past month, where has God been at work? Where has he been faithful to you? How about in the past six months, this last half of a year, as things have kind of gone haywire and are a little bit crazy, where, in the midst of all of that, do you still see God at work? Or do you see him being faithful to you? For some of you, maybe there were some things that immediately jumped to mind. For others, maybe it took a little bit more work as you've been dealing with a lot of things right now and it takes a bit to dig and to find where God has been present to you. But I can assure you that he is. And it's important to cultivate this practice of thankfulness. We praise God and we thank him for who he is and what he's done. We remember where we've been and the things that God has brought us through. It helps to deepen our relationship with him as we reflect and it helps us to know that we can depend on him in the future because we've seen it before, and we've seen him be there before. So I personally am a firm believer in taking small action steps to be able to help us take what we've heard and not just leave it here as though, you know, oh, you know, that was really nice, and yeah, God is there for me, but I want us to begin to bring these things into our own actual reality, to translate it into your own life. And so I have a couple of small challenges for you if you are willing to accept them. The first one is, like the Israelites and like the psalmists, I want you to physically write out some of the reasons that you personally are thankful to God. (coughs) Sorry, just a little little dry up here. 
physically write out some of the reasons that you are thankful to God. It might feel a little awkward, especially if you are not a writer more naturally, but there is something to be said about having some real tangible reminders of God's faithfulness and love that you can put up around you can be really helpful, especially if you have a not-so-great memory like I do. Um, Having those real things is something that can be helpful. We see it with Israel. They had their songs and their psalms and their writings. So try to be like Israel a little bit and physically write out some of the reasons you are thankful to God. The second one is one that might take a little bit more conversation and work and work within your family, but I would love for us to try to create one small habit, something small, that you can do to begin to practice thankfulness. Even as we go from here, so maybe it is that you keep writing these things down. Maybe you have a journal that you keep. Somebody texts me and say that that's exactly what they do. They have a journal that they keep of just the small moments where God has been with them and they reflect on that. Um, Maybe you have scripture that you have that you just recite in certain times where you can remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Maybe you put some post-it notes. Maybe you have a journal. Maybe you write them out on a whiteboard on the fridge. Maybe you make a habit of sharing good things that happened around the day at the dinner table with your family or your spouse. Maybe you start each morning by just listing some of the things that you're thankful for. Even before you start doing anything, you just take a time to be thankful. Um, Maybe before you go to bed, you take time to recount the day and pick out a couple of good things to thank God for, as well as just bringing your petitions and questions. You can find whatever it is that might work for you. So for me, like I said, I do not have a great memory, but I really do enjoy writing. And so for me, like it's hard sometimes for me to just recall places where I've seen God at work, but if I'm consistently journaling or writing about them, then it's a lot easier for me to be able to bring those things into my own life. That's just me. Maybe you're not a journaler. Maybe you like to draw. Maybe you do like to sing. You can write your own psalms. Whatever it might be, to be able to create these consistent habits of thankfulness. And if you're looking for some ideas or you'd like to talk out some action steps more, I would love to be able to sit and talk with you, our staff or volunteers, if you want to work through what that might mean for you or your family. Just know that we're available for that. But regardless of what it is that you choose to do, when we consistently and consciously try to practice thankfulness, we give God all the glory that he's due for who he is and what he does. We strengthen our relationship with him to be able to face the things that are coming as we remind ourselves of all he is and all that he's done. Why don't you bow your heads as we close in prayer. God, we just thank you for today. And we do thank you, God. We know that you are good, that your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to remember and recall all the places where you've been at work in our life. Give us clarity around some situations where maybe we weren't able to see you at work. Help us to know that you're there with us, that you're a God who desires deep, intimate relationship with us, that you meet us in the middle of these places, and that we don't have to get caught up in the mess of our own life without knowing that you are there with us. Help us to remember you. Help us to never forget all that you've done for us, all that you are to us, God. The least of which, not being that you came down and you lived here and that you died for us, taking on the sin of the world and that you rose again. And that there is a hope that we have. There is a hope we can tangibly hold on to that 
even in the middle of all of this, you are king and you are good and that you will rule. But for today, rule in our hearts, God. Be present to us here and now as we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. I invite you now as we